You're tuned into the Coin Gamma Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. This podcast is about the emerging blockchain and cryptocurrency space. We explore topics that discuss how this emerging technology impacts the world economically, politically, and socially. Every episode is jam-packed with the knowledge you need to know how to leverage this new industry. Whether you want to launch a career in it or you want to become a better investor, this is the place to be. Visit us on CoinGamma.com to sign up for our newsletter. We share all the top blockchain news that you need to know. If you're new to the blockchain, we will walk you through everything you need to know in order to become an expert. Sign up for our webinars where we break down a blockchain-related topic in depth. Again, that's CoinGamma.com. You are about to bear witness, my friends, to one of the greatest technological advances in modern history. Welcome, everyone, to the CoinGamma show. Um, today, we're happy to have uh, a illustrious guest um, coming straight out of Vancouver, Canada. Um, Michael Moll of Retium uh, is, is a blockchain engineer, uh, entrepreneur and a social commerce visionary who dreams of using the technology to transform human activities. He uh, is a native of Kenya, and for people that don't know, I'm, I'm Kenyan by marriage, so it's cool to have a, a fellow Kenyan on the, uh, the podcast finally. Um, but yeah, thanks he for having me. to Vancouver and went to the University of British Columbia saw the School of Business in 2008. And um, he obviously is representing uh, Retium. Retium is a platform that enables people to invest in real estate using the blockchain. Um, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people have looked at, you know, the blockchain. There's a lot of different use cases. Um, but this is actually a, a real tangible use case. You really could buy a real asset leveraging this novel technology. So I'm very, very ex excited to have you here Michael, I know you could do your background a lot more justice than I had, I did. So please fill in any background I might have missed, and then t tell us all about your project. Yeah, amazing. No, I, I think the background you gave was phenomenal, uh, and I'm really great to be on the show. Uh, I think what you mentioned about uh, the intersection of real estate and blockchain uh, is so exciting. Uh, this is a real world use case that's going to scale. Uh, it's a real world asset. Uh, that's out of a lot of people's hands and blockchain is the enabling technology that allows for this fractional ownership where people all over the world can own real estate together, get the dividends from that and liquidate their holding uh, in a way that's fully compliant with securities regulation. And we see this is really going to change the way real estate is bought, sold and thought of all around the world. Um, you know, just extending my background, I've been in Canada for 10 years. I did get a scholarship to go to the University of British Columbia. I started three startups before this, wow. uh, those uh, mainly in, 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 in apps. Uh, those apps are used uh, in over 15 countries, 15,000 users. Wow. Uh, so I've been leading development teams for over six years. And uh, I feel very fortunate to have brought that experience forward to Retium. And when we talk about Retium, really the big idea here is that uh, as cities have become so much more successful, um, the stat that I like to talk about is right now we are at about 45% of the world living in cities. Sure. Um, but by 2050, we're going to be 70% of the world's populations living in cities. So wow. this acceleration is 150,000 people leave a village somewhere in the world, mainly in Asia and Africa, to go to the big lights of the cities, every right. 150,000 people. So this is putting immense you know, strain on cities, but also this is an immense opportunity to build this infrastructure. And we were just uh, in Manila, uh, blown away by what's happening there. Uh, we've been to nine countries, 22 conferences, and 
real estate is happening, the world is really emerging. And so what the question we have to ask is, who's going to build all this new infrastructure? Who is going to participate in the mass wealth that's going to be generated? And our hypothesis and our mission is that's going to be the crowd. Because right now what's happening in the real estate markets is as cities become more successful, real estate becomes more expensive, and more people become uh, uh, pushed out of the market. So the current real estate market is not for everyone. And so the rich keep getting richer, and not, not in, in any menacing way, but just in the way that the number of buyers is limited. So that's the first problem. So then the second problem that creates is actually really poor liquidity. Because right. when you're actually looking to either raise money for a type of real estate deal, sell a type of real estate holding, you have a limited number of buyers. Now, simple economics says is we increase the amount of buyers that can potentially buy into any asset class and real estate being the largest asset class in the world, we're going to take this illiquid asset, we're going to make it liquid, and we're going to really redistribute wealth in, in an amazing way. Um, and, and it just makes us so excited. Uh, we get messages from all over the world, from you know people we meet in taxis to the thousands of people we meet at, at conferences, to hotel doormen, to people who are looking to do this for their children and increase right. um, uh, financial literacy around amongst kids and also increase their understanding of saving, getting assets, and getting ready to enter the world. So, so in a nutshell, Retium does this uh, through, through uh, integrating three things. Uh, a primary uh, equity real estate crowdfunding marketplace. Think of it like Kickstarter for real estate, okay. where you could buy an individual home, uh, you could buy into a hotel, you could buy into a fund that okay. owns a group of hotels. When I hear uh, about, when I think about Kickstarter, Kickstarter obviously is to fund something that hasn't been created yet or something that's new. Now, right. would I be using your platform to invest in existing properties or properties that are going to be built in the future? Uh, so that's a great question. So it's both. So okay. I use the Kickstarter analogy just to give, you know, to put into the idea of like what the actual interface looks like, right? right. Uh, you see an opportunity and then you're participating. <clears throat> but on our platform, uh, it is an investment. Uh, it is a security. Um, but what happens is we've created different templates uh, where you can invest in already built properties that yield dividends based on the rental income. Uh, you right. can invest in new build construction uh, projects which either yield based on a profit share or as an interest on a loan sure. um, and then and then everything in between that uh, we have groups who are approaching us who are looking at land development to own entire islands wow. uh, we have a, a group in asia that is looking at like sports stadiums wow. I mean, one of the big things we're talking about is imagine you know you could you could you know own a part of the met stadium you know That's or yankee crazy. stadium right or, or the Toronto Raptors, right? And, you know, That's get amazing. that ownership and be, be deeply integrated into the things you love, but you're holding a security and you're getting paid a dividend, right? So right. these are the things that now become uh, really possible on the platform. Uh, just to extend that, to date, we have $830 million worth of assets uh, that will be listed on our platform. Wow. Um, and so this is a culmination of us really combing through the best uh, deals that come to us. As of now, people can actually go to our website, real estate owners, real estate entrepreneurs, uh, venture funds can come and actually submit uh, their real estate deal proposals to us. And, and our, our due diligence and investment committee will take a look and get back to them. Uh, okay. Because for us, the biggest thing is we want to make sure the deals that eventually get listed on Retium have the best chance of success. Because what we're out here doing is we want wins for you, the investor, who right. has traditionally had to either have a high down payment 
you know, qualify for a mortgage, go into debt, um, and, and, and do this by themselves, uh, they now have, for as little as $100, can go in and participate in some of the greatest real estate assets in the world. Um, and so that's really exciting for us. Wow, wow, incredible, incredible project. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> so obviously, uh, you know, real estate is uh, very, it's probably one of the oldest industries in the world, right? And a lot of players are, you know, people that, uh, perhaps family offices, people that have been in business for generations, um, you know, uh, our older banks, you name it, and even also municipalities. And how is it when you come to them with this concept? Like, or do you, is there a huge education process that you have to give these, I guess, landlords or developers to get them to put their properties on your platform? Um, <clears throat> that's, 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 that's a really good insight. And actually, it's been very encouraging for us. Uh, those are our actual core clients. So wow. these are the groups that you mentioned that have the great real estate holdings that are the most illiquid, right? right? You're talking about an individual house here and there. You're going to be able to find a buyer, you know, sub a million, et cetera. But right. when you are, for example, we have a family office out of Thailand that owns 200 hotels from three-star to five-star. Uh, and then, you know, a group like that, they're looking for liquidity. So they sometimes is a learning curve in understanding digital. I think that's more uh, um, a multiplier of age, right? Of like we're in the millennial generation, so we're used to technology. Uh, the, these older groups, they see blockchain technology. They might be a learning gap there, but fundamentally, it's really about the value proposition for them the cost of capital is really high. When they work with broker dealers, et cetera, they're looking eight to 10%. Right. They're offering them 1.5% when they right. raise us or when they liquidate through us. The second thing is the cost of compliance. Currently, when, for example, we talk about a, a hotel, a hotel group might have 600 million they want to liquidate. It's very, very difficult for them to find that one buyer that wants to buy that. Even if they found three or four buyers who wanted to come together, it's very difficult for them to manage that. And then they end up eating the cost of bringing those groups together or liquidating, which then creates a liquidity discount. So instead right. of selling that hotel asset for 600 million, they'll send it for 480 just to get it off their hands. Of course. Well, we're, and then the third thing is, if they now want to work with buyers who are in multiple jurisdictions, it even multiplies the complication even more. Of course. What tokenization and what our platform allows to do is them to seamlessly sell to this global crowd, manage all of the relationships that is the investor rights between that crowd in one blockchain uh, system, uh, and totally reduce the cost of doing that. Okay. Streamline the compliance so every deal happens easily. That is identity verification. That is corporate verification. That is whether it's a wire, a crypto payment, etc. All that happening together. Whereas they can sit back and, and know that's going to happen. So they're actually very, very excited. You know, we, when we looked at this pain point, we saw the pain point for the average retail, uh, we call it millennial, senior people in the developing world, you know, who have a trillion dollars. This is what Deloitte says. This isn't from us. A trillion right. dollars is what we call sleeping capital. Wow. And so this is money not playing. You know, so average U.S. millennial has $5,000. Obviously, you know, we're loving the daily luxuries. So we're buying avocado toast. We're going on holiday in Thailand. <laughs> You know, because it's the daily good life, right? right? The accessibility of knowing where we can put our investments. Oh, you want to get into some, some high-risk stock, but real estate is very tangible. Everyone knows it. So we see that 
trillion dollars is what we're going to be enabling to get into real estate markets. On the other side, the great asset owners, the big banks, the venture funds, the family offices, they're actually looking at how they can liquidate in a compliant manner and make it affordable. We actually talked to family offices that approached us who own large amounts of retail um, wow. uh, real estate. And right now, Amazon is completely crushing right. uh, the retail sector. So they're sitting there being like, oh my God, how are we going to offload and liquidate this retail real estate right. in a way that's affordable, in a way that they can actually be taking something new. So instead of just finding the traditional buyer who's like, oh, I'll buy your mall, we, we take shopping malls and take them over, we have to reimagine what that re retail real estate is going to be used for. So our okay. platform can allow for that, that asset to be bought from a crowd and be repurposed for something new. So this is really going to open it up to one, the transfer of wealth, but two, to open up to new real estate investors, new real estate um, uh, business models that were definitely not possible before. Sure, sure, sure. Incredible. Um, you mentioned a few times how you kind of navigated the regulatory landscape, um, which I think must have been uh, incredibly difficult. Just to set the stage, obviously I'm not, I'm not from Vancouver, I'm not an expert, but I did read something around, you know, over the past year, past few years, the Vancouver mar real estate market is like astronomical as far as becoming right. very, very expensive to the point yeah. where I believe I read that they passed a law that discouraged um, mainland Chinese investors or I guess foreign investors from investing into Vancouver because that was what was increasing right. valuation. Right. So I think what they did was there, there's two questions there. So one, I'll, I'll, I'll handle the speculation uh, and the uh, foreign foreign bias tax. I think what happened is Vancouver is the jewel of the Pacific uh, West. Sure. Um, so everybody in the world wants, I mean, if you haven't been up to Vancouver yet, you got to get out here. I have to. But it, it's really, it, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a jewel of a city. And so there's massive, massive demand to want to live here, to want to own property here. And so obviously people were bringing so much money that the locals were outpaced. And so they created a foreign virus tax just to slow that down. And so, sure. um, you know, it, it ended up being between 10, uh, 20 and 30, 30%. Um, so that's, that's on the one hand, but that, See, what I look at that is that's the problem with a successful city. And that's right. what I mean is that we are actually trapped is that as soon as, you, as our cities get better and more successful and more livable and more desirable, more money wants to come in. And so the average person, uh, you know, gets pushed out. Well, we're saying our solution for that is to say the average person can participate in that immense growth by okay. crowdfunding, right? And then the second part of your question was about, um, was about the regulation. And so sure. we are actually very proud of Canada, United States, and then obviously subsequently the European Union uh, in creating amazing crowdfunding legislation. So this didn't start specifically for real estate. What right. it started with was 2012, uh, the Jobs Act, this is jumpstart our businesses, our small businesses, uh, United States, they said, okay, small businesses find it hard to find financing, they need more options. Retail investors are excluded from participating in any uh, private placements, which is uh, investing in private companies. As right. a retail investor, I have to wait till a company makes it to the stock market. Right. Now, cool, I'm going to get in after all the big banks and everyone's got in and got into this company that technically probably doesn't even need my money at that point, or right. my money doesn't really squeeze them that much further, right. versus the real small businesses, the heart of America and of most, most, most countries. Those are the ones that where your money can go in and, and really make an impact and, and, and get things going. So, they decided to create rules before it was yet to be accredited, meaning 150K, uh, and it depends on the state, 
Right. Uh, um, you have to have per year in, in income or you have to have a million dollars in liquid assets. Yep. Then you're accredited. Then you can play in the investment game, private investments. Sure. They said, okay, now we're going to make it so that you can have regulation crowdfunding. You can invest uh, a portion of your, of your yearly income. And again, it varies by states. It's a percentage, maybe up to 10%, et cetera, um, in these private placements up to certain times a year. Canada then jumped on this in 2015, and we have it province by province. We have provinces versus states. Of course. And so in, in, in BC, in BC, you can invest up to $1,500 per private placement, so per investment, per person. But wow. in Ontario, you can do up to $10,000 a year, and you can slice wow. that up however you want. You can do five investments at $2,000. Sure. Um, but then also there's a thing called an eligible investor, meaning if you earn like $70,000 plus four hundred in in assets, 400,000 in assets, or you and your spouse have some sort of combined income around there, you can then put up to, let's say, $7,000. Right. So these rules have really opened it up. And they are complicated. Um, you know, we spent, you know, a good part of a year just learning about these rules, and we built those into our product. So what this right. now allows you is when you come on, you say, I'm in New York, you go on, you say, I'm an unaccredited investor, we then show you deals that you're allowed to invest in. Okay, you can invest in this crowdfunding property here, and this is your maximum. And then the person who owns that hotel, before they would have to have a back office of like seven people sitting yeah. there, like faxing your email and checking right. your ID and like making sure that your tax return is good. We handle all that digitally. Wow. So we're reducing 90%. So that's why when you have private placement, especially in real estate, if the minimum is $25,000. Because out of that $25,000, 3000 will go to legal and admin just to process your investment. Of course. Right? The paper, the paper shares, the da-da-da-da, compliance, and all that stuff. Right. When we do this all digitally, we, that's why we say we can do a $100 minimum investment because we do that all in the background. Right? right? And so that's really what, so one, it's accessibility, but two, it's to prove that we're really bringing down the cost. We're not replacing lawyers. Lawyers still paper the documents in the beginning. They still look at a bunch of stuff. We don't, even when we talk to the great lawyers that we know, they're like, they don't want to be doing admin. Right. They don't want to be charging $400 just to check this and that. So right. we have a great company that we work with, iComply, and they do identity verification, scanning, KYC. Right. They're, 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 they're based in Vancouver as well, right? They're based in Vancouver as well. Yeah. But you see, so that 20 seconds and it's done. That used to be three faxes back and forth, et cetera. And so, so those are the kind of innovations that we've baked into the back end to make it a seamless process. And again, it makes it easier for you when you come onto our platform, you, all the deals you see, you're allowed to invest in. And so then it just makes it like, what do you want to do today? And then you go, you click, 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 and, and you're validated and, and it goes forward. So we're really a product company where we take compliance, we uh, security compliance regulation, we take the needs of, of the user experience of the average retail investor, and then we take the needs of these amazing asset owners and we process that into one great seamless experience where, where all parties can see a reduction in fees and an increase in value, right? Incredible, incredible. So now, um, what currency would I use to buy into these? Do you, are you, is your platform, does your platform have its own currency? Excuse me, I gotta apologize for the people that are listening. I'm in a, we're recording out of Brooklyn, New York, and even though I try to find a quiet conference room, Sometimes there's a uh, New York noise in the background, um, but okay. well, apologies, but uh, <laughs> my point, um, uh, you know, what currency are you, are you issuing your own currency that some people would use to buy the real estate or can I use ether or dollars or Canadian dollars? How would it work? 
yeah, that, that's that's a great question. So we at the beginning we we did look at at, at current a currency play. This is 2017, right? We're all just thinking how the digital landscape right. works. Since then, uh, we've been we've been very fortunate to have traveled so far and wide, and uh, we we are not having our own internal currency. Uh, we we now know that there are some great payment methods. There's Stellar, there's ETH, there's Bitcoin, um, right. and then we also realize that uh, majority of our users in the long run are going to be people who've never touched crypto, right? right? Because, because most people are like, I want to buy real estate. And just the way the crypto wave came through as a big way to get lots of people into investing, right. we see crowdfunding real estate is going to be the second wave of digital finance where all these people are being be like, oh my God, I just want to get a piece of real estate. Right. So when they come to sign up, we didn't want to have the friction of, oh, now it's time to get a wallet. Oh, now it's time to do this or go on some exchange, you know? So what we did was we just built an intermediary. You can pay with uh, Bitcoin uh, or, or any of the, t- or the top 20 uh, cryptocurrencies. And our partner will basically give you a spot price. And wow. we'll just treat it just like a foreign currency. So wow. someone paying with Kenya shillings, someone paying with Bitcoin, they both put in, you know, this 10 Bitcoin, 100,000 Kenya shillings. We basically just say to them, today at today's rate, this Bitcoin is worth $60,000. This Kenya shillings is worth $20,000. Do you agree? They agree. Our partners liquidate that. And the money that gets deposited in the escrow account is the, is the money that the asset is in. So if it's in Canada, it'll be Canadian dollars in the escrow holding account. If it's in America, it's going to be U.S. dollars. So that way there's no fluctuation because assets are priced in real money. We don't get exposed to crypto. Um, and okay. the second thing is we then are able to then just pay out exactly to the asset owner once the crowdfunding is done. Uh, we're looking into uh, IBM Worldwire. So IBM has created a, so we can also do credit card and bank wire. Wow. IBM has created a, and we've already integrated those, uh, it's created the IBM Worldwire. And what they've done is they want to um, make it easier for all the banks in the world to basically have a wire that could settle in minutes. Wow. So they're, starting in, they're starting in Asia. And it's, wow. they're making wire transfers as easy as sending an email. And they're basically going in between native currencies using Stellar as the intermediary and having corresponding banks. Wow. Is, uh, this, so uh, is this part of the Hyperledger? I think they use Hyperledger, right? They use Hyperledger. They use Hyperledger and they also use Stellar Lumens. So sure. Hyperledger in the background, Stellar as the actual currency on there. But what's really making this powerful is like, for example, in Indonesia, when people actually do um, payments between those islands, real physical cash is being moved between the islands. Wow. So these banks are actually being like, okay, we're settling up and they're doing like, like manual transfer. It's crazy, right? right. And so that's just... That's dangerous too. It's super dangerous. It's super dangerous. I mean, Kenya had the same thing before we brought M-Pesa, right? right? Every time you got paid in cash, you had to keep it on your pillow so that everyone has a mobile wallet. So sure. Indonesia is an example of the world. The world is all these, you know, each continent is different islands, each country. And so by creating this great intermediary, it's going to make it easier and cheaper to, to have wire transfers, but more importantly, for the user to still use their bank account. Because wow. then you're not changing behavior, right? right. So that's, that's the way we're looking at it, is we want people to stick to their payment method, and we're going to work with our great partners to process that and, then, and, then, and allow them to participate on our platform. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Wow, incredible, incredible. Um, and and I, I commend your project for not just forcing a coin down people's throats and understanding that yeah. there are other coins there are over 2000 coins out there that already exist and you know the, right. the, the top ones a lot of them you could use 
for your platform. It's not really about, you know, making people use your currency, but it's more about providing a service. So kudos to your team for figuring that out and kind of leveraging that. Um, let's take a step back, you know, and talk about you and, and your exposure, right? So you talked about, you know, your career, you uh, built a ton of apps and you got into this space. How did you discover blockchain? How did you discover, then how did you, yeah. from blockchain, how did you discover this project? Yeah, so that's actually a great question. So, so uh, my two co-founders, Thomas and Laura, uh, they actually hired me on. So one thing that was great, uh, Laura and I met at the National Crowdfunding uh, Conference uh, in yeah. Canada. Uh, very, very cool, very serendipitous ahead of time. And this was like a year and a half before we even uh, started Retium. Um, yeah. in, in this time, uh, they had hired me on, we work in a travel app. So we were looking at an app to, to really help people manage uh, large group travels. Right. Um, and so they hired me on to project manage design and, and build that out with a team. Um, we actually, our lead developer, Leonardo, was on that project with us and we actually brought him up from Brazil. Uh, wow. So he's here with us in Canada now. Yes, so him and his whole family came up. So it's Bro. really to see the continuity, even though Retium is a year old, a year and a half, a year, uh, incorporated a year and a half, uh, and the project, uh, we've kind of been working together for about three years. So it's a really, really exciting on that part. Uh, so we, so we went back to that, we're invited back to that national crowdfunding conference. And they, that time it was all about digital finance and blockchain yeah. and to participate in a hackathon to come up with ideas that blockchain would be really good for. And so this was, um, some of the ideas around card funding, around governance, around, yeah. um, and, and around when is this? Is this 2017? 2017, 2017. So what, what's very cool at that time was uh, I was doing the research and for myself, I'm a product person. I'm like, what problems can this technology solve? Sure. Right. And so I'm researching, researching, you know, best use cases of blockchain. And I came across title registries, digitizing title registries and the problem with title registries. So I'm from Kenya and I was looking at Kenya and Philippines specifically. Right. Where you have lots, lots of every, all the documents are paper. They're being eaten away by rats. You could have a flood. You could have a fire. That, those are the yeah. Not, not, not to cut you off, my uh, my father-in-law is a real estate developer in Nairobi, and so yeah, he right. has a ton of issues when it comes to um, you know title rights, land rights. You know, sometimes people would sell a piece of land to multiple people and just disappear. Exactly. Right. And exactly. so I can exactly. that, that, that. that happened to that. That happened to my granddad has a school group. Um, same thing happened to them. They had an adjacent piece of land got sold multiple times. So, I mean, blockchain, the double spend issue, this is what we're talking about, right? That would never been able to, to, to have happened. Um, and so, so one of the things was obviously, you know, double spend, you know, selling to multiple people, uh, fraudulent title deeds. So you, especially when you have contentious piece of land, Oh, we found resources below this piece of land. Uh, a farmer will go in and say, okay, uh, you know, I own the first two lots, but let's just make the title deed say that I own the first three lots and then sells his neighbor's lot and the bulldozers come through and then, you know, everything is done. That's one part. The second part was the actual transfer of title. So in, in, uh, in Philippines, to transfer a land title, it's five government offices that you need to go to, 26 paper documents. My goodness. And so can you imagine? And it's like, it's, it's, it's insane. So uh, just give me, give you an example, uh, an adjacent story in Kenya is now digitizing the, the Kenyan ID because to get a proper full criminal record check, it's about 20 government agencies that My you have goodness. to check. And that's all paper, paper, paper walking in. So it's just, it's, it's, right. it's not. so, so this is where the, this, these blockchain databases come in 
And so we basically said, okay, if we do something called Lander, where we can have a digital title registry, we can reduce fraud, we can make title transfer easier. And obviously what then extends that is the ability to share a title digitally, right? right? And so we actually won that hackathon around that idea. Wow. Very excited. We came back to, uh, to my co-founder now, Thomas, and we talked about it. You know, you know Tom, Thomas sitting there and he's like, he's been selling real estate, um, you know, 15 years, sold over half a billion dollars worth of real estate. Wow. And uh, his client base is very small. These are people who are eligible enough to go in there, buy their real estate, et cetera. And he's, been, he's pushed away a lot of people. And one of the people that he pushed away, uh, sadly enough, was his mom, his own mom. So he made a million dollars for his clients, a couple of clients flipping properties or, you know, within a one-year period. His right. mom comes and says, hey, here's $30,000, get to work, right? And he's like, I can't do anything for you. This is Vancouver, right? It's like, right. you know, so she's like, okay, no problem. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get six of my girlfriends. We're going to put our money together. Now sure. can you help me? And she's 75 years old. So his, her girlfriend's like, this is very, very tedious. You guys want to get all six of you on title. A bank might give you a mortgage. Most likely not. Then right. you're going to be six on title. Somebody's going to die in the next 10 years. What do you, how are you going to be? It's going to be super, super messy. Right. He looks at, he looks at, he looks at this blockchain space. He's like real estate and blockchain is going to be taken over. He looks at, you know, we run this hackathon. We're like, okay, the real opportunity here is not the title registries because you're going to need government approval and that's going to move really, really slowly. And that's not in our DNA, but what's in our DNA is to make people forward products. And really then we saw the crowdfunding as the great, the great beachhead and, and went forward. And so, so this came out of a pain. We saw this as a solution. And then as we started traveling around the world, we realized that this pain is global, right? right. It's like, they are, there are millions of people like Thomas's mom, billions of millennials like myself and my other co-founder, Laura, and we're all connected you know, right. our mobile devices, we all have uh, mobile banking and, and we're ready to participate. So I think the it's all about that timing. One blockchain creates the trust and the ability to transfer value, but mobile phone internet is really the unsung hero that people are, don't really talk about because it's a given, right? But right now, some guy in outer Mongolia, you know, he's got a, smart, a phone that's smarter than what people sent a man to the moon and right. his first phone is an iPhone X. That's crazy. But like it's crazy so it's like that's the next billion smartphones like they came in they were like iphone 5 the, in the last like three years the next billion and everyday onboarding is is iphone x so just the ability to service people reach them and do really high value services like finance like what we're doing is only possible now because of that so we're really piggybacking the third thing that i would mention really is kind of crowd consciousness right, right. people the sharing economy the sharing economy has been blazing forward for the last decade, just saying, hey, there's different ways of doing business. There's different ways of having abundance, right? Everything from Uber, Airbnb, um, you know, Kickstarter, et cetera. And so we're just coming in at the right timing. You know, real estate crowdfunding has been around through legislation for, for a decade. But, but what's happened is now with those three things, blockchain, the crowd, um, and mobile phones, these type of things are now possible and this is where we're going to be able to scale up so we feel very fortunate to to be around at this time in in the world no incredible incredible um going back to kenya uh you you know obviously this is this land registry is uh is obviously a great use case for blockchain um do you think there are any other like uses for block use cases for blockchain that could you know make life in Kenya easier or more efficient 100% 100% i i think that uh identity 
uh, is going to be something huge. And so we actually had a meeting with the Kenyan government's, um, uh, their group. Uh, they had a task force on blockchain and AI. Right. And so really proud, obviously, proud to be Kenyan. But, you know, in Kenya, things happen out of necessity. In the right. West, we have this huge bureaucracy that is actually amazing to the standards compared to most of the places in the world. Right. right. So like things work and there's a huge wheel that's pulling it behind. Right. Whereas in places like Kenya, we either didn't have these systems or these systems are completely broken. So like mobile money came out of necessity, right? right. People having a mobile wallet. Uh, they're digitizing the Kenyan identity card. Uh, so you can have digital uh, government services. They're digitizing the land title registry. Right. Uh, so we're actually going to go in and it kind of worked out perfectly. The way we were looking at it is they're working with a group to digitize the land title registry, digitize the identity. So now Retium is going to go into Kenya and attach to those two things and become a marketplace for crowdfunding real estate. And that's going to wow. happen later this year. And that's so incredible. it's incredible. And so to see the leapfrogging right here, you know, places like Kenya, Philippines, Indonesia are going to be ahead because we don't have the burden of the old systems, the yeah. old stock markets, et cetera. We don't have the red tape because we're creating a new red tape system that's lighter, but that's built for the new infrastructure that's coming. I think the other one that's going to be really huge is one, it's going to be around uh, certificates. So it's going to be around like, um, uh, are, you, are you a doctor? Are you a carpenter? Are you a plumber? Are you a CPA? Like all of those documentations about va validating your, your, um, your skill set. Um, and putting that on blockchain because the workforce is so transient, right? People are moving around. And I think that one's going to be more, even more important in places like the European Union and then also in the African Union. So you can move between Kenya and Rwanda and take your papers with you, right? The next one, use case, I think that's going to be very, very powerful is going to be in medical records, right? I just recently just went to the doctor and they were looking at me like I was an uh, imposter on my, own, on my own thing and I have to keep validating myself and I get Crazy. it. All of, it's all about safety, but I'm like, they're asking me questions. I'm like, don't you know? You know, it's right. like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not in the system. So it's a way that I can own, own my records and then transfer it from specialist to specialist, right? And they'd be able to access that in a compliant way. Sure. Um, and again, I think it's going to happen faster in Kenya and Indonesia than it is going to happen in the West just because of legacy systems. Right. Uh, and then the final one that I want to talk about. Uh, is food and, and supply chain, which, uh, you know, we, as, as we work at IBM, we see, so IBM has something called Food Lens, which basically will allow you to track your food from where it was grown or where it was produced using sensors. Like, so for example, let's talk about coffee. So then when you get it to that cup of coffee, you can know, okay, was this fair trade? Were they pesticides? Were they this? How was it shipped? How was it whatever? And, and coffee is a simple example but I think the really good example is going to come in like in foods that have a chance of, of really causing outbreaks. So I think things like, like lettuce, lettuce, lettuce rom romaine lettuce, right? So it's like when you have sensors, you'll know as it goes through the supply chain, you'll be able to say, Oh, that shipping container was not actually cooled or, or that, that surface was actually damp or blah, 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 blah. And then they'll be able to actually know because each of those containers and each of those sections have been blocked. You can just do a callback of 25% of the thing and well, know that the rest is safe. So those are the, the type of things that I, it really excites me. Um, and I think, you know, IBM on a business blockchain side, you know, when it's not about financing, uh, I think, you know, they're, they're doing a really good job to showcase that blockchain has more applications than just finance, right? Incredible, incredible. Wow, wow. No, I agree. I agree with all those use cases. Um, and I do, I, and, I, and I, I will echo the fact that, you know, I think 
in the emerging markets, blockchain will have even a, a higher level of success and a lot quicker because of, like you said, the legacy systems are not in place. Um, obviously, Michael, you are um, very, very busy. Um, I don't want to take too much of your day. I really appreciate it. It's been amazing, though. Thank you so much. I think it's been great to, to really talk, talk to you. And I think you've had some amazing questions and insights. And I really hope this has been very valuable to your viewers. Um, all I can say is go to retm.com, sign up for our wait list. We're going to be releasing the first versions of, of the properties that you're going to be able to look at in a couple of weeks here. So you can start jumping on wait lists. You can start dreaming. These properties are going to come from around the world. Uh, if you have some great property owners, property entrepreneurs, real estate people who have great assets that they want to tell us about, go to our website as well. Uh, fill out that form. Someone's going to be in touch. Um, and that's really, we believe real estate should be for everyone. That's why we've built this system. And so we want to invite everyone in. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And uh, how, what if people want to follow you? Are you, you, you on, on yeah, Twitter? I'm on, like that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. So it's Mike Mall on Twitter. It's Mike underscore Mall on Instagram. And I'll send you all my stuff for LinkedIn. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Pretty active there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, Michael. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks so much, Charles. Take awesome, care, man. Awesome. Have a good one. You too, man. And it's a wrap for this episode of the Coin Gamma Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please share it out with members of your network, friends, family, associates. And most importantly, please leave a review on your podcast listening platform, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. That really helps the podcast out. It helps us get more exposure and share our content with more people. And don't forget, we're available to help you out with your blockchain related projects just reach out coingamma.com until next time